the reason that we're pushing forward in such a fruitful way is not because of the hardcore vegans, because those people are a teeny tiny percentage. It's the flexitarians. It's the people who are saying, I want to eat less meat. I want to eat more plant-based. I want to eat primarily plant-based, but I still love a piece of fish every once in a while, or I still love eggs every once in a while. Hi, I'm Kathy Freston, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light and or find the light in the darkness to prove there is still good out there and lots of it. You can help us spread the good by sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on whatever platform you are currently listening to us on. You've heard me pitch, with a P, this before, but seriously, when you share, when you subscribe, when you rate and review us, more people find us, and guess what? We win. I don't know how or why or even what we win, but we win. Ask yourself right now, do you want to win? Do you want to be a winner? Yes, you do. So share the good, and let's all gather together and win, win, So here's a funny story. My husband became a vegan in 2010. That's not the funny story. The funny part's coming. Listen, he follows these other vegans on his social media. And he found this one vegan and he literally became obsessed with her. I'm talking obsessed. And it turns out this particular vegan lives here in our same town of Santa Barbara. We will be watching the Netflix and he's on his phone and he will shove the phone in my face and scream, look, she's like four blocks from us right now. Um, you know, and I have to do that whole thing where I'm like, she might have been there like three days ago and just posted this, but whatever. Okay, so who <laughs> is this vegan role model my husband is basically stalking about our tiny town who is this vegan role model who is bringing good to the world well her name's kathy freston and this is her good story kathy freston is here with me we are fellow santa barbarians she has been on oprah ellen Good morning, America. She is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, no, seven time book writing phenomenon. She was person of the year from Veg News Magazine. Kathy, let's start with the most important question. Tell everyone how we met. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I love it. Uh, Well, uh, thank you for that, by the way, Steve. I appreciate that. And uh, we met, well, we met over line on, Inst- on Instagram, but then we were at our favorite restaurant in Santa Barbara, which is Satellite. And that's my haunt. I just love it so much. And you guys were having, I think, a Friday night cocktail at happy hour and, um, and eating that delicious food. And we just kind of connected. And I love it. I love meeting fellow vegans in my hometown. It just makes me feel like I'm home. Yeah, I kind of feel like my husband in the other room should be doing this interview. He is, I told you when we met, he's like your very docile, non-threatening stalker. He's absolutely head over heels for you. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. And I, I feel like we we just sort of 
there's there's a thing that when you're you're vegan and you've gone through the whole rigmarole of trying to figure out who you are and how you are and you know it just connects you to people who've also gone through that so um yeah i just feel like we're kind of automatically simpatico you know i'm really happy to to know you guys and I loved it because you were online behind me to order and I knew exactly who you were with masks on. It was a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and, and you couldn't have been nicer. So let me ask you this to get started. What do you think the difference between being a vegan and being a plant-based diet eater is? Is there a difference to you? Oh yeah, there's a huge difference. And by the way, I love it all, you know, whatever sort of category you want to put yourself into, I I toggle back and forth between saying I'm plant-based to I'm vegan. And I think both of those things are true. So being plant-based means usually you're in it for the health that you realize that you could, you know, have more energy or uh, heal yourself of of some medical thing. If you've had high cholesterol or high blood pressure, you, you've got type two diabetes, you want to improve your performance as an athlete, you want to lose a little weight, you want to put on a little muscle, you would call yourself plant based because you're really in it for the health. And which is fantastic. A lot of people come in through that door and then discover other stuff. Um, I came in it through the ethical door thinking about animals. And so when you are someone who eats things from plants rather than animals, you would call yourself uh, vegan if you're in, into it for the ethics. And so I don't necessarily, you know, do the whole food plant based where it's super healthy and I don't have a lot of oil. And I mean, I eat burgers and pizza. Mostly I eat really healthy stuff, but I definitely allow myself to indulge certainly on the weekends. So vegan encompasses ethics and a concern for the environment as well as health. But if you're plant based, it's really you're into it for the health. And you can be both. I I feel like I'm both. Now, here's the thing. You talked about the ethical reasons and the feeling toward the animals. It started for you, I believe, with one animal in particular named Trixie. Oh, <laughs> my dog. Yeah. Actually, back then, it was my dog, Lotsi. She okay. was, yeah, Lotsi was um, my dog before Trixie. And so I, 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 you know, I'm insane for my dog. I'm one of these, you know, helicopter parents with my dog. And so I had my dog Lotsi and I was rubbing her belly. We we're doing a little play session and she was on her back and she's kicking out her legs. And, you know, I could tell that she's smiling and happy. And I just said to myself, my God, I love this dog so much. I just love animals so much. And then this voice inside of my head said, well, if you love animals so much, why are you eating them? And it was, damn it that voice of consciousness, you know, is like, um, challenging me to, um, look a little bit deeper and sort of call myself out. You know, I was, I was a writer on all things sort of waking up and becoming more conscious. And, um, I'd written about relationships and spirituality. I was a meditation teacher for many years and I, In that moment, I realized I had not really looked under the hood of food, my food that, you know, how whatever got to my plate, whatever I was eating, I didn't have a lot of consciousness around it. I didn't have a lot of thought around it. 
And, you know, Steve, I kind of started thinking I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I'm talking about waking up and being aware and making thoughtful decisions. And I really, you know, eat three times a day and I kind of didn't want to know about it. So I, I, I'm looking at my dog and I started picturing her like, what if she was a chicken or what if she was a pig? I just, I just love her so much because I know her so well. I've spent time with her. I know her personality. I know her fears, her desires, her, what makes her happy. And so if I spent that kind of time with a pet chicken or a pet pig, you know, I would, I would love that animal. I'm sure in, in much the same way that I loved Lotsi. And so I started picturing Lotsi on a slaughter line. And don't worry, I won't say anything that's traumatizing because I'm not into to doing that to people. But I started, I started picturing her on a slaughter line and I thought, my God, I could see her shaking like crazy and, and being terrified, just completely paralyzed with terrified and with terror and trying to get away. And I thought I, I, I would do anything. I would do anything to spare my dog feeling that kind of terror and going through that kind of horror. So if I'm so willing to do anything to spare my dog who I know and love that kind of discomfort and pain, why am I so willing to dismiss a a pig's pain or a chicken's pain or a cow's pain? And I just decided that I was going to, I wanted to be uh, a person who did not eat animals and I was like, my God, what does that even look like? What am I going to eat? <laughs> you know, because I eat some kind of animal three times a day, whether it was bacon and eggs or, you know, uh, a turkey and Swiss sandwich for lunch or, you know, um, a piece of fish for dinner. That's just everything that I ate. So I couldn't imagine myself not eating anything from an animal. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this as an experiment. I'm going to hold that intention. And I'm going to challenge myself to lean forward, not be perfect, not try to, you know, figure it all out at once, but I'm just going to lean into it. And over the course of about a year and a half, I became fully vegan. So it worked. The leaning in worked. It definitely did. And you have on your website, uh, a quote, eating with kindness. What does that mean to you? It means eating with the, you know, um, reverence for life that I, I do not want to cause another being to feel pain or, or fear that I want to be kind. I want to be kind in my food choices. It's funny, Steve, a lot of people say, well, you're not being very kind to the plants, you know, and the, the, the thing about plants is plants don't have a central nervous system like animals do. So they're not feeling pain. Um, they do not have um, morphine receptors, which which tells you that they they don't have evolutionarily they don't have things in their in their plant bodies to counter pain because it's just not an issue for them. So, and then of course, if you care about plants, ten times more plants cycle through an animal in order for the human to eat the the meat or or fluids of an animal. So you're eating more plants that way. But anyway, so just eating with kindness, it's just like, I, I, I don't want to cause anyone pain. And I, and I would think, you know, I'm looking into the eyes of this cow, let's say, and think, is my craving for a steak 
so much greater and so important to me that I am willing to send you off to the slaughter line and have you go through uh, such a hell that I can't even imagine just because I'm in the mood for a steak tonight. You know, no, I'm not willing to do that. I'd prefer to eat with kindness. You know, we're raised a certain way, right? And most of us are raised in a meat-based, dairy-based uh, diet just from the past. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people see it as this giant mountain. Do you think that, do you think like a meatless Monday, I, I, I'm jumping around here for a second. I had a, a guest on Caroline Simpson, who's a, a mm-hmm. vegan from Australia, wonderful woman. And she's an all in kind of lady. She's like, you go all in mm-hmm. or you don't go in at all. But do you, and, and when mm-hmm. I brought up meatless Monday, she hates meatless Monday and she'll defend it. And that's great. I get it. But do you think a little bites for people are easier than diving? For me, it is. I mean, I think, I think for human nature, you know, we're attached to our traditions and our routines. Certainly I was, I mean, I wanted, you know, turkey for Thanksgiving and I wanted, you know, bacon and eggs on the weekend. And I wanted, you know, to be out with my friends having chicken wings at the bar. So I, I think if, if you had told me back then, that you have to go all in a hundred percent, I would have been like, fuck it. I can't do it. Right, right. I mean, it's just too hard. You know, I, I, I don't want to lose my family and friends and my traditions and all my favorite foods. And I have no idea what to eat. And I'm so frustrated. So for me, and I think for a lot of people, it doesn't work to go all in. I think it's terrific if you can go all in, but I've known a lot of people who've gone all in and it's just too hard. And then they just go back you know, because it's, it, they just give up. So for me, by leaning in, I, I found my footing. I found, you know, I, I went gently into that, um, into that beautiful path. And I, I found new things to order at restaurants and I discovered new things in the grocery store and I found some cool recipes online. And I, you know, met some people that didn't think it was such a weird thing. And we went out to lunch together. And, and it was just something that I grew increasingly comfortable with. And here's another thing, Steve, is that I think it's really important to have all these, um, just to really learn a lot about it. Because I think if I had gone all in, I would have fallen prey to the paleo or keto um, people saying, oh my God, you're going to, you know, put on a ton of weight because you're not eating animal protein. And there's this study and this study, I mean, there's so much information out there. I mean, I hesitate to say it's misinformation, but it's, you know, misinformation. And there's a lot, there's a lot of competing studies. You can cherry pick what you want to make it sound like um, something is good or bad. And I think that by doing it gently and leaning in and at the same time, educating myself, like really, really understanding the science of eating a plant-based diet, I just felt better and better about it. You know, I, I, I thought for sure I'm going to, you know, gain a lot of weight because you all, everyone knows you need animal protein to stay fit and trim And so that's just what I believed. And so, you know, when I was eating more and more plant-based, I realized I was also reading a lot of stuff. I went deep on a bunch of research and books and everything. And, and I was like, oh my God, so this actually is probably going to help me trim those few pounds that I've been carrying around. And, and that got me excited, you know, and then I, 
I learned about longevity and that I would probably live longer. And, you know, and, and then the environment, I didn't even know about what animal agriculture does to the environment. And once I learned that, it was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not part of the problem anymore. I, I'm actually kind of part of the solution. So all of those things just lifted me as I made my move toward being fully vegan. And I thought that I, I think it really works for a lot of people to lean in. And I've seen you in person and I can say this about you and I can proudly say this about me. Uh, I've been vegan now eight years. Uh, I, I, I'll tell the truth. Um, I still every now and then have eggs. I do my best mm-hmm. to get my eggs from neighbors who have chickens in their backyard mm-hmm. where the eggs are falling out of them. Mm-hmm. They fall out purple and blue and yellow. It looks like it's Easter. Mm, um, but I have to say this, a few years ago, two, two plus years ago, I was coming up on a big birthday, the big birthday being 50. Mm-hmm. And a woman mm-hmm. I work with came up to me and said, I heard you're having a big birthday. And she's like, oh my God, 35. And I uh, went, I love you. Yes, I love it. And then Listen, I, I'm vain. <laughs> I guess it's like, I want to look as good as I can for as long as I can. And I said, yeah. I said, no, 50. And she's like, no way, your skin, your skin. Oh. Now, part of it is vegan being plant-based. And part of it, I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie, is serious skincare from Jennifer Stallone, which is an entire other show that I oh, could tell I you. Yeah. I'm obsessed with serious skincare. That's a whole other world. But you know, you have gone on, you've written seven books on this topic. I want to throw you a question that may surprise you. And this is my question to you. For all my listeners, and I've had other authors on here answer this question, how difficult is it to write one book, let alone seven? I know you had help. You co-wrote a few, but how hard is it to write a book, a novel? Well, I've, I've written nine books, believe it or not. The first two were on relationships. And then I pivoted toward health, sort of overall health. And um, that the reason I paired up with Gene Stone in the last book and Bruce Friedrich on the book before that is because it's kind of a lonely process. You know, um, I'm an introvert, but I'm also very social. And I it's it's you know, it's hard day after day to just sort of hit the blank screen. And, um, and I it's grueling. I mean, I love it, but it's grueling. I think I love the finished product. I love completing a chapter. I love the process as for some reason, it happens with every book, I think, Oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to end this thing. I don't know how I'm going to finish this thing. And then one magical day, it sort of writes itself. It's like the end of it, it just happens. And I'm like, oh my God, I finished it. I finished it. So it's, it's not, an, it's not a, it, like, oh my God, I can't wait to sit down and write. It's, it's a little bit grueling, but I do love it. And I love, I, I've always been a writer for so, I like to go into what I want to learn about. So I love doing the research. I love pulling things together. I love understanding it in a way that I have to, you know, take difficult, um, maybe science or facts and, and make it something that's easy to digest. And that's always a challenge for me, but I love words and I love cadence and working with paragraphs and things like that. I'm a bit of a nerd with that stuff. And, um, so it's a process, but I do enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy it. It's a workout. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. (laughs) yeah. 
Yeah, but it's a workout. It's like going to the gym. I'm a writer myself. It's not easy. There are times when you're like, I do not want to go to the gym today. Get your ass up and go to the gym. That's the day you have to go. The days that I don't want to write are the days that I go, okay, we have to change the environment we're in. We need to go to this coffee shop. Okay, we can't write right now. We're going to take a really long walk with the dogs. When we come back, we're going to be able to, something's going to come to us. We're going to feel it. We're going to smell it. Yeah, It's going to go boom in our head. So on that note, what happens when you hit writer's block for you? Or do you? Oh, I, I have for sure. And usually when I hit writer's block, it means I'm not supposed to be writing that section. Like I remember during um, when I was writing quantum wellness, it's sort of overall wellness. And I was going really deep in this chapter on chemicals, endocrine disrupting chemicals and what, you know, really to stay away from. And I just, it was just grueling and it wasn't coming to me and I couldn't seem to make it fit, but it seemed like it was such an important part of the book. And then it just dawned on me. Literally, I beat this thing probably for three weeks and I was like, oh, maybe it just doesn't belong in the book. Maybe that's the thing. It's just, it's not, it's not, it doesn't belong in the book. And that's what kind of happens is that I can't force anything. It's almost like a book knows your honesty. It's like the body doesn't lie. I, th- I always think the body knows the truth. I also think the book knows the truth. And if it's not happening, it's not supposed to happen. It doesn't have the magic. It doesn't have the, the fairy dust. And you have to kind of listen to that and pivot, you know, and then you may not know exactly what the next move is, but you try to stay as authentically engaged in what you want to talk about as possible. And even if it doesn't make sense, you know, even if it's like, well, this doesn't seem to be what I wanted to do. It's the thing that wants to be written. And I think we have to listen to that, you know. In 72 Reasons to Be Vegan, right on the cover, it says healthier body and better sex. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> So those two those two things go together. So in on that note, better sex. Let's get into it for a second here without being too pornographic. Is is it um a physical thing? Is it a mental thing? Is it a is it just that the body is is flowing literally better on a plant based diet? It's all of that stuff. So so as far as flowing better, the thing the same things, the same stuff that that creates blockage to your heart. Um, also creates blockage to your man or lady parts, your, your nether regions, right? So if you are eating in a way that you have a clear arteries that goes to your heart, by the way, that, which also affects your brain and brain health, you're, you know, you're all those sexy parts are going to work better because the flow is happening. And that's, that goes for men and, and women. And, you know, by the way, one of the first things you can tell if a man has, um, you know, issues with his heart, perhaps, you know, heart disease is that he, he has a little trouble getting sure. it up. So, you know, whatever is good for one part of your body is pretty much good for the other parts too. And so that's, and that works for, for women's circulation. It's this, you know, the same thing. If you've got good circulation, you're going to feel better. And, but on an emotional level, you know, oh, and and physically, you also just feel better because you're healthier. So you've got a vitality, you're more comfortable with your body because you're at, you know, a comfortable weight, whatever that is for you. Um, 
it also feels really good to be living your truth, you know, and um, there's something that happens with people who decide not to eat animals. It's like, there's a numbness that melts away. Because if you think about it, we really do have to maintain a cognitive dissonance to continue eating animals, we have to stay numb. Because if we allowed ourselves to think about what happened to those animals as they became the meat on our plate, we would go crazy because it, it would be so painful. You'd want to, you know, shoot yourself. So we, we stay numb, right? It's like, don't, don't tell me, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't, I don't want to ruin my steak dinner. But so when you don't eat that stuff, the numbness, there's no reason for you to be numb, right? Psychically numb, psychologically numb, emotionally numb. So there's a vitality and, an, and a, a presence that happens that you're very awake and, and vital in your life. And that affects your sexuality in a big way because you just feel, you know, like you're, you're right there. You're right there and you're living your truth. And as far as relationships, I mean, to me, there's nothing sexier than some being with a partner who's curious who is, you know, willing to look at old traditions and question them and see that, you know, if maybe he or she could um, do something differently. To me, I respect someone a lot for that. And it's, it's an open mindedness that I love. And, um, and also that feeling of, of, oh my God, this person cares about protecting the most vulnerable. To me, that's fierce and it makes me look up to someone and really admire them. And, and, you know, the sexual attraction is, that's the thing, you know, when you respect and admire someone, um, that leads to more attraction as well. So I think that all of it, body, mind, and soul is affected by this, this way of living and eating. The first time you heard you're a New York Times bestselling author, two questions. One, what did you what would you feel about that? And two, how does that work? Because I'm a writer. Does someone call you from the New York Times? Do you just like do you just look in the Sunday? Like what happens? No, no, your agent calls okay. you. Your agent is very aware. Like they come out with it. I I don't know. I think it comes out on Tuesdays. So you always find out on a Tuesday. And your agent, you know, they, they always get the, the, the list. And so they call you wherever you are. And I remember I was on Park Avenue in New York, Park Avenue, and I think 65th Street. And my agent called me and I was like, I just, I just, I screamed. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And I, and I jumped and twirled and, you know, I, I was grinning ear to ear. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I was so, so excited. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that I never expected in my whole life would be my path. You know, I never expected that I would be a, you know, vegan advocate slash activist in my life. I grew up in Doraville, Georgia, eating everything. So if you could have said that this is going to be your path, I would have, I would have thought you were a Martian from another planet, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great feeling. And who knew, who knew Steve, who knew? It's very exciting. I b- imagine it to be very exciting as a writer. It's it's not really a goal of mine. I always think about like what would that feel like. I've had mm-hmm. I've had plays up and 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 produced other stuff, and I've gotten mm. great critical praise. My favorite thing ever said about me was um, the L.A. Times once called me sly, and 
the word sly just made me feel so good. Um, and don't worry, everybody. I have been destroyed <laughs> by other critics. So yeah, any artist is going to be destroyed. You know, that's that's what you put. You're putting yourself out there, and you're taking risk, and you're, you know, you're sort of venturing into new territory, and you you have you have to be an honest in a way that you know puts you at risk. And so I think. I, I, I love it that you're so like, yeah, I've gotten critical acclaim and I've also been, you know, raked over the coals. That's, that's just the way it goes. I think with every, every artist that's ever lived and performed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a set of plays that were destroyed by a critic named Les Spindle. And then mm-hmm. he finally fell in love with one of my works. And I was like, I don't really care. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh- Isn't that the best when you don't care? I did it. I was just like, I go, well, I won that. No. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. That's so great. I wish, I mean, I, I don't know that I don't care. I think I'm, I, 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 I have a pretty thick skin about the vegan stuff. Cause I'm used to, you know, back in the day people would make fun and, you know, hurl insults and stuff like that. And, and I just kind of grew a really thick skin, but sometimes I don't know if you've had this experience, but online it's like it's for some reason people are feel like they have permission to be really nasty to people you know like to just be just to say shit that's so hurtful and i i don't understand what's happened <laughs> to um human decency in the past you know few years or however long it's been maybe but it's just it is. I mean, I just wanted to say, sometimes I do say, you know, on my Instagram account or something like I'm human, you know, I'm human. I feel things. I don't know what your intention is here, but let's, let's see if we can get to kindness, you know? Um, Cause I think people just don't, I don't know what it is, but they maybe don't care about someone else, but yeah, I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm, I'm, I'm an HSP. I'm sensitive. I think that part of it is that we create this celebrity uh, version of ourselves online, especially on social media. I remember a few years ago, someone I who used to work where I worked at the time, I had never met this person. He wrote something so foul about gay people. And he said that gay people are mentally ill. And he used the words mentally, I'm quoting here, mentally retarded. They should be all basically put on an island, blah, blah, blah. And all these people, it was a post he made on Facebook. And, and it was around the time when gay marriage, you know, was being legalized, you know, marriage equality. And I did not know this person, but underneath it, because other people knew him. I don't know. I don't even remember how I was able to find this. Maybe it was a, a, a response to somebody else's thing. You know, they put in the section, you know, the replies in the bottom. But I wrote to this person and said, um, I do not believe that you would say this to someone's face. I believe this is what you say behind closed doors for whatever reason. And I said, I invite you down back to where we worked um, and I will get you a pass to come on. It was a studio lot and we can meet face to face. And if you can say this to me face to face, then you can spend the time to let me respond to you. But I'm going to go ahead and give you that challenge because I don't believe that you truly are this person you're being. And people were not only responding underneath it, people were coming over to my office and saying, oh my God, your response mm. Was, wow, that's was, amazing. Was kind. Wow. You gave yeah. him the benefit of the doubt because I yeah. don't believe that's I don't believe that's you. And he he, he never Did he? he never Did he respond? There was no response ever again. 
It was just silence. And all these people are like, well, we guess we got our answer, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, hold on now. Give them a, maybe, 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 maybe I could affect change that way. Maybe I Mm -hmm. could, you know, Mm -hmm. my thing online, I try to do on all my social media accounts, including World Gone Good, is push what I believe, which is the good stuff. And Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. People who know me know I have a very dark sense of humor. People who know that I can be a badass. People know that I say every four-letter word on the planet at I love you for that. I do too. I curse like a truck driver. <laughs> it feels so good. Let me, <sighs> let me ask you this. Who first called you the veganist? Oh, oh gosh. Um, well, my, my ex-husband did. Um, Tom Freston, he, you know, he would just, I was whatever I was talking about something and he would say, honey, you're the veganist. And, uh, you know, this is ages ago. And so I, I did, I didn't mind it. I was just like, I did, it was a word I'd never heard. And then, I mean, I'm going to sound like I'm dropping a name here and I don't mean to be, but, uh, Bono was a friend of ours at the time. And he was like, you know, you're the veganist. <laughs> I found it. And I was like, you know what, if Bono is saying I'm the veganist and I, you know, it, it's a word that makes sense. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with that. I'm going to embrace it. You know, I so, love it. Yeah. I mean, anything with an IST on the end on the end of it is just someone who's sort of obsessed. If I'm a violinist, it's you know I spend a lot of time learning about the violin, and it's same with if I'm an artist, it means that I'm devoting myself to art. So if I'm a veganist, I'm someone who's really devoting myself to learning and living the lifestyle of veganism, and I'll go for that. That makes sense to me. But I also like the word veganish. You know, I think that, you know, if you are eating the occasional egg and you don't feel comfortable calling you vegan, which I would, but you could, you know, you say I'm veganish and that's, that's cool too. I mean, I listen for every time someone doesn't eat an animal, that is a good thing. That is a beautiful thing. And the, the, the reason that we're pushing forward in such a fruitful way is not because of the hardcore vegans, because those people are a teeny tiny percentage. It's the flexitarians. It's the people who are saying, I want to eat less meat. I want to eat more plant-based. I want to eat primarily plant-based, but I still love a piece of fish every once in a while, or I still love eggs every once in a while. Fantastic. Because if the world was more like that and more people were doing that, you know, the fewer the animals uh, are, are being eaten, the fewer animals go through that sort of thing. And simultaneously, at the same time, there are more products that are delicious, like Impossible and uh, Hungry Planet and Beyond Meat. There are more restaurants like Satellite Opening and Oliver's. There are more entrepreneurs that make it easier to eat, you know, different kinds of choices. So as the, as the culture, the population is saying, we want to eat less meat for environmental reasons, for health reasons, for the animal reasons. I'm not ready to be a hundred percent vegan, but I want to eat less meat. It's going, you know, in one direction and at the same time heading toward that same sort of meeting place is an explosion of availability, accessibility, 
And so that they're meeting at this intersection and we're very close to a tipping point where it's just so ubiquitous, you know, vegan plant-based food is, is going to be in so many places. It's, it's tasting better and better. The price is coming down that we're going to get to a tipping point and it's going to be very, very normalized and very popularized. Your books all can be purchased anywhere on Amazon and Borders and anywhere you find books, yes? Yes, yes. And if you had to tell my audience which book to go to as a first-time vegan, which book would you tell them to go to? Oh, I'd go to the last one, which is 72 Reasons to Be Vegan, because it's just, you know, it's got, it's very uh, easy to read, short little bits. Every chapter is less than a page, maybe a, maybe a whole page. And it's, it's very, it's chock full of information and good research in case you want to go deeper. And so you feel really excited by the whole prospect. And, um, and it's just an easy read. Jean and I wrote it for the ADD brain because we figure so many people have so much to read now. We wanted to keep it really, uh, easy and simple, but pack a powerful punch. So that's a good one to start with. Now, here's a question. Did it come start out at 72 or did we just get to 72? We just got to 72. We just, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at first we were like 20 or 25 or 50. And then it, you know, and then it was like, maybe there's a hundred, you know? And at a certain point we, we thought we don't want to get repetitive. We just need to write until, you know, until, well, we, we made the list first. Jean and I made the list first and we thought, okay, if things start to repeat themselves, that's when we know that uh, we've reached our our number, and so seventy two. We we it, we felt good about seventy two, and then we looked online, and seventy two is some sort of magical number about um, making the world better. So we thought, okay, it's got a little mystical, magical dust behind it. So that we'll stop there. Very nice. We just did a show about numerology, so that's perfect. Oh, I love it. Uh, okay, we close these shows with three questions. The first one is super duper easy. Where do people find you online? Well, I, you can go to kathyfreston.com with a K and an F like Frank. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, and um, so Instagram's a good place to, to find me. These last two questions is how we end every show can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say. Mm-hmm. The first question is who inspires you? Oh my gosh. So many people. Uh, let's see. Jane Goodall inspires me. She is a, uh, an activist. She'll be an activist to her dying day, which I hope is, is a long ways away. And she's, she's, you know, bringing, uh, so much light into this world and so much awareness about animals. So I would like to sit at her feet and, and learn from her. She's amazing. And the final question we ask everyone, again, can go back to anything you want to say. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a question. It's pretty easy. It's just a statement to finish, which is tell me something good. Oh, God. Steve, I'll say that here's something good lean towards the light and you get there. You just lean into it and you just push yourself forward, nudge yourself forward. You keep leaning in. And before you know it, you are a transformed person. It's not a radical process. It's a gentle process and you transform yourself. And as you transform yourself, you transform the world around you, your, your friends, your family, your community, just because you know, of the resonance, like attracts like. So as you 
vibrate at a higher level. I don't mean in a woo-woo way, but just how you live your life. It really does bring light into this world. And um, that's how change is, is transformed. Well, it's Friday night and it's almost five o'clock. So maybe we'll see you at Satellite or Oliver's or who knows where. Or maybe, like I said, you'll just, my husband will pop up in the backseat of your car. You don't know. <laughs> it's all good. I love it. I love it. And yes, I will see you soon. I know that because I'm heading out at 530. So I'll probably see you around town. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Kathy, for sharing your good. Check out her website and grab any and all of her books wherever you book best. Next time on World Gone Good. I understand the importance of being kind to other people and working with a stuffed animal. It's not just, and this is something I say a lot, it's not just about fixing and mending the fabric. It's about mending people's hearts too. Okay, so I saw the most amazing video on Instagram of this sweet woman bringing an old beaten down teddy bear back to life. And I was like, this person is doing good in the most simplest and bestest of ways. We need to talk to her. So I sent the creator of the video, the stuffed animal repair person herself, Daniel Allure Taylor, an email. And she wrote me back and I quote, she said, I would be honored to be on your show. That's right, people honored. That's what she said to be on this show. And we are honored to have her on with us. Grab your favorite childhood stuffed animal or blankie and join us for what is going to be a really good new episode. Until then, be good.